Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. Just stand to your feet. Um, uh, don't settle down. We're going to just enter in a little bit more. Um, wait till this noise behind me stops. Um, <laughs> right. We just thank you, Lord. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. We honor you, Lord God. You are great. You're awesome, God. Um, we thank you for the sweet spirit that is in this place. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross. We just honor and love you. You're a great God. I have a song. <laughs> I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord, with the heart of thanksgiving. I will bless thee, O Lord, with my hands lifted up and my mouth filled with praise. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. All right, now you know the words. Let's sing it to the Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. I will bless thee, O Lord. With the heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee. I will bless thee, O Lord. With my hands lifted up, with my hands lifted up, and my mouth filled with praise. I will bless thee, O Lord. 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 This is my anthem. I will bless thee. No matter what's going on, I will bless thee, O Lord. With the heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee. I will bless thee, O Lord. With my hands lifted up. With my hands lifted up and my mouth filled with praise. Ah. With the heart of thanksgiving, I will bless thee. I will bless thee, O Lord. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus. During this Thanksgiving season, Lord God, we will bless you with a heart of thanksgiving unto you, Lord God. We just thank you and we bless you. We honor you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ah, you may take your seats. Praise the Lord. Cornerstone Community Church, Triple C. <laughs> um, just want to reiterate a couple, one of the announcements uh, we have next Sunday and the Sunday after. We may go a little bit longer, but we do want everyone to give to Miriam's house and we want to fill that Christmas box up that's in the lobby. Uh, any kind of female toiletries, shampoo, lotion. Um, there's tons of stuff. Sometimes you can go to the dollar store and get a bunch of 
different things, ten dollars, you know, buy ten dollars worth of body lotion or shampoo or something. Um, but yeah, we want to fill that box up, so we do encourage you to give uh, for that ministry. And then we also perishable uh, canned goods and non-perishable items um, as well. And we want to be able to take that over to Muriel's house and bless them for that, bless that ministry. Um, so today, uh, the title of my message is 10 Percenters. Ah, you did a different one because that, that is what is, I titled it initially, but I changed the title. It's okay though. I'm all right with it. Nah. <laughs> uh, so I saved it under, because it wouldn't allow me to save under 10 Percenters. I don't know why. I think the percent sign threw it off. So where are the other nine? Ah, duh. Haley is on it. That's my man right there. Uh, Ten percenters. Uh, we're going to be coming out of Luke 17, 11 through 19. Um, we're going to be doing more of a narrative. We're just going to be going through and just gleaning from this passage of Scripture. I don't really have any bullet points or any kind of, you know, four-point how to get delivered kind of thing. <laughs> we're just going to go through here. And you may read this. Uh, you may have read this passage before, and hopefully you get something new out of it. And even if you don't, uh, maybe you can use that for someone else. But Luke 17, 11 through 19, and we're going to be coming out of the New King James Version. Uh, and this talks about the ten lepers being cleansed. And then, again, starting at verse 11. Now it happens as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Galilee. He's talking about Jesus. Then as he entered a certain village, there he met him ten. There met him. Ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. So when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice, making his praise glorious, (laughs) glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, where were there not 10 cleansed, but where are the nine or the other nine? Were there not any found who were there not any found who returned to give glory to God, except this foreigner. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So the title is 10 percenters. <laughs> so are you going to be a part of the 10 percent? Are you going to be a part of the 90 percent? I have a personal pet peeve um, among many. Pray for me. I'm working on some of them. <laughs> but one of them, you know, when you're at a grocery store or, or at an office building or something and you're holding the door open for someone who's walking behind you, and which often happens, and you hold the door and they walk through, and I'm always expecting one to say thank you and if they don't say thank you it just burns me up inside it's just me it's my personal pet peeve because i'm not the doorman so it's not an expectation that that's my job to do that <laughs> and i'm trying to get into the store just like you and so so don't don't if you walk through the door at cornerstone and you don't say thank you i'm not going i will be upset but it's okay uh but <laughs> hold the door open for people and not get an a just say thank you for holding that door you didn't have to do that it's a personal pet peeve uh, also, sometimes uh, with my kids, what can burn me up the most is when they're not thankful. When you've done 
all that you can do and you've given and you've taken and uh, one of my children probably, no, I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> but when you've done so much for them and then they're not thankful or they get upset over, you know, you let them do nine things and the 10th thing, the 10th thing you say no. And then they get upset about that 10th thing. It's like, come on, I let you do nine. <laughs> now you're going to get upset. You know, so not thankful for what you were allowed to do. So, uh, and most of us want to feel appreciated or want to be thanked for the efforts we put out into whatever we're doing, even if it's at our work or at home, we want people. We want to know that we are appreciated, or people uh, thank thank us for the work that we do or what we're doing. And so here we have uh, in this passage of scripture these ten lepers. And so we're going to go back through this. So one was from uh, so they Jesus was walking through Samaria and Galilee. Uh, Samaria is interesting in that uh, it was uh, Israelites inhabited uh, of Samaria had intermarried with foreigners and adopted idolatrous religions. So Samaritans were generally considered half-breeds to the Israelites, and that's why they were so disliked because, one, they were intermarried, and then they also took upon themselves some the Christian religion, so they they believed in the uh, the Torah, the uh, the five books of the Bible, and Moses, but they didn't believe in anything else in the uh, in, in anything else. And they also added to their religion some idolatrous uh, or pagan activities within their religion. And so the Samaritans, I mean the Israelites or the children of Israel, looked just looked down on the Samaritans. They were not true Christians or believers or followers. Uh, and so they didn't like the Samaritans because of, one, they're intermarried, and two, because they worship pagans or foreign gods, along with taking in some of those uh, biblical uh, writings or prophets. And so that's, what, that's the area that Jesus was walking through, Samaria and then also Galilee, Galilee has significance because Galilee was uh, the boarhood. Uh, Jesus spent his boarhood years in Nazareth, which is a town in Lower Galilee. Uh, most of the gospel narratives are spent in Galilee. Uh, most of the miracles were done in Galilee. Uh, so I think I read it was close to 20 or so miracles of the however many that were performed were done in that area. Uh, so Jesus was very familiar with that area. Um, most miracles were performed, again, and most of the gospel narratives were there. And so these ten lepers probably had heard, I'm sure, that being that Jesus had been in that area a lot, about Jesus and what he had done. And so when they saw him from a distance or realized it was him, they came running towards him. And, and then the ten lepers uh, stood afar off. And that would be important because they had leprosy. So it was important that they did not get too close to people who didn't have leprosy because leprosy was a very uh, skin-contagious disease. And there are Levitical laws uh, in Leviticus 13 and then also in 14 that said certain things that you had to do with a person who had leprosy. And I'm not going to turn to uh, Leviticus 13, but if you go to Leviticus 13 and 14, if you just have some time where you just want to interest and read what they did with the lepers, um, <laughs> it's quite interesting. Um, and it's very intense and detailed as to what they had to do. And we'll talk about a little bit of that later. 
but they had to be isolated from one. They were outcasts, and that's why they were outside of the city. So he was walking to a certain village. He hadn't gotten into that village because those lepers weren't allowed to be in the general population with everyone else. So it had to be set aside. This disease, uh, leprosy, um, you had boils. It was like a skin-eating, rotting disease. Um, you, your skin smelled, uh, so you emitted a horrible smell because your skin was rotting. You could also lose parts of your body, so your limbs would fall off because it was eaten away at your limbs that, you know, many leopards didn't have a hand or maybe they didn't have a leg or toes or fingers were falling off because the skin was eating, literally eating through their flesh and it was falling apart, falling off. Um, and a lot of times you would see sometimes they had to have a bell with them to announce. And they had, when they went around, if they were to go in public, they had to announce, I have leprosy. And they had a bell so other people would know that there was a, a leopard around. And they would walk away or shun them or try to get away from them because it was contagious. And they didn't, other people didn't want to get that. And then also leprosy. I, I'm, I'm an expert on leprosy now. Uh, <laughs> also with leprosy, uh, you were prone to get other diseases because your immune system was compromised. So you could die from leprosy, but also you could die from other things. So it was important for them to stay away from other people who may have just common sicknesses and that because if a leper had gotten that disease or sickness, then they could die as well. It was an affliction, and it was normally a life sentence. There was not a cure for leprosy. And so that is why it was so many times when you read in the Bible, Bible stories about people who had leprosy and that Jesus healed them, it had to be a healing. It had to be a miracle to do that because there was nothing else to, you, there was no pill you could take, no doctor you could go to to overcome that leprosy. So if, if I saw you one day and you had leprosy and the next day you didn't, that's a miracle. I had that just, you just didn't, that doesn't happen. So if someone knew, had to know, you had to have an experience with Jesus. That's why that, uh, the man who was healed from leprosy and he kind of kept it a secret and didn't want people to know and he went and talked to his mom was a big deal because, hey, something happened to this guy. He had leprosy and now he doesn't. That was a big deal. So they stood, 10, ten men who were lepers, they stood afar off. Uh, and they yelled out, Jesus, Master. And that doesn't seem like much, but that, that is, let's unpack what that means. These lepers knew who Jesus were. He was master. Uh, we sang a song, and, and Stella, I'm going to stop coordinating with you what I'm preaching on so you can stop singing and praising worship. We don't coordinate, by the way. It is the Spirit. But he is Lord of all. We sang that song, Lord of all. And they knew that the master meant he was Lord of all. These lepers knew who Jesus was. Do we know who Jesus is? And do we call him as he is? He is our master. He's a master. He's a teacher. He's a chief. He's commander. Uh, appropriately fitting. Uh, you know, I got to do some um, Strong's Concordance 1988 in here. This number. <laughs> Legal standing of ownership referring to master in charge. He is fully authorized. He is supremely refers to Jesus as the head owner of all things. He is Lord of all. And when you call him that, it gets his attention. And when we know and know the power of that, how much more should we call on him? When we have access to Lord 
of all. So he calls out Lord of all. Colossians 1, 15 to 18 said he is an image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and are on the earth, visible and invisible, where thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things we may have, he may have the preeminent. This is the God we serve. He is master. And so these ten lepers knew who he was and knew how to get his attention and called him as such. Master, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. To show mercy as God defines it uh, and accords with his truth, which expresses God's covenant loyalty to mercy, to feel sympathy with the misery of another, especially such sympathy as manifests itself in the act, not in words, but in action. So to have mercy is not just giving you lip service and saying, I'm going to pray for you. It's actually when you call me, I pray for you. When you need something, I come and try to meet that need. Uh, and Jesus, having covenant with his word, he is a God of mercy. When we call him, say, have mercy on us. He is going to just do that because he can't lie. And he cannot do what his word says. And his word says he will have mercy. And so they, they cried out to him, have mercy on us. And again, that got his attention. He saw them, as the word says. He saw them. How many of us want to be seen by Jesus? How many of us want to be seen in whatever state we're in? In our worst, <laughs> it would have been one thing if the leper said, had talked to someone else and said, hey, look, we're lepers and we're dirty and we smell and we have this skin infectious disease. And Jesus is a high priest and we know he's performed these miracles. Would you go talk to him and, tell, and ask him to heal us? No, not these lepers and not the Jesus we serve because Jesus being so accessible to us and wanting to meet our needs, when we yell out to him, have mercy on us, master, have mercy on me, he hears us, he sees us, and he wants to respond. Properly and metaphorically, to, he saw them, meaning to see with the mind, to spiritually perceive. So it's just not a seeing with my eye, because Jesus is just not seeing with his eye. He sees in these 10 lepers. He sees where they are and what they've gone through, and he knows all. And so he says to them, Jesus doesn't just see them in their wretched state. He has a word for them, just like he has a word for us. He says to them, Romans, uh, well, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. And while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So some people have a, a, a perception when they say, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? That premise is incorrect. 
There are no good people. (laughs) We don't deserve any of this. We are not good. The righteous will barely make it in. It's like as filthy rags, we don't deserve this. And when we think that we're good, then we think we deserve it. And then we, it's it's a different premise that you act. If I'm good enough for it, then I act differently. I'm not thankful because I deserve it. I'm supposed to have it. I worked hard at it. I did all the things that I'm supposed to do. That's a, that's a Sadducees kind of works thing that you got going on there. But when you work from the premise that I am not good enough, nothing I do deserves what God has given me, then you come in with whatever he gives me, I'm so thankful for. Whatever he does, I don't deserve it. And so the life I live is not mine because I don't deserve this life. So while we were yet sinners, while we were yet in our broken, skin-smelling, leprosy state, he died for us. And he loved us even then. So he says to these ten lepers, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, this sounds simple. And it reminded me of... Uh, Naaman, I'm, I'm jumping around here. Uh, Naaman in Second Kings five. I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but Naaman was a Syrian and he was a commander in the army and he had leprosy. Um, and obviously, the Syrians did things differently than the children of Israel. They not they weren't following uh, the Levitical laws because he had leprosy and he was able to be a commander. And I guess I don't know how that all worked out. Uh, we have to have some creative kind of figuring that out. But uh, he heard that um, there was a, a, an Israelite who could possibly heal him. So he had heard from Elisha had said, you know, had spoken to Naaman and said, you know, no, wasn't. Someone had, he had gotten word that he could be healed possibly. And he goes, he sends a letter to uh, the king. And the king is like, what do you want me to do? I'm, I can't heal you from this. And then uh, Elisha gets word that, uh, Naaman had come. And so we pick this up in 2 Kings 5. Then Naaman went to with, went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha, and Elisha sent a messenger to him. Elisha didn't go himself. He sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash yourself in the Jordan seven times. Your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious, and it's interesting because, like, why would, you know, here is the man of God telling you what you needed to do. And this is why Naaman became upset. He was serious, and he went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, he will not surely come out to me. He was like, you know, I came all this way to get this healing. Elisha could at least come out and greet me. No, he sends someone out to greet me and say, hey, this is what you need to do. Now, maybe Elisha said, I don't want to get your leprosy. You need to go that way. But I think there was something that God was dealing with Naaman about. So that's why he sent someone to speak to Naaman. So Naaman was offended by that and said, he will surely not come out to, to uh, come out to me and stand and call the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hands over the place and heal the leprosy. So he wanted a big act. He wanted someone to, you know, that's what he was expecting. You know, he wanted God to do something great. Minerva said something that was really powerful, and it reminded me, this is in this, in this part of my message I wanted to uh, focus on, it is that it is not in the great act sometimes that we get our healing. It is in the small things that we do. 
It is in the praying. It is in the reading your word. It is in seeking his face. It is in listening to his voice that can restore you. And that's what Naaman's problem was. He wanted the big power for show. And, you know, that's what he thought was going to happen. But that wasn't how it was. And at 12, he says, and not the, and so even the river he was mad about. He was like, not the Abna and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants, thank God for his servants, uh, came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says, wash and be clean? How much more when the word says, read and pray and seek him? There your deliverance can be found. Should we not do those things? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the sand of the man of God. His flesh was restored like flesh of a little child, and he was clean. I mean, there's power in that. I, don't, I want you to get this cornerstone because the word came from a nerve that, you know, that anointing. Let's not forget the anointing. And that anointed is in the praying. And she remember she said praying and reading your word. And those may seem like simple things. And we kind of throw them aside so many times because that's just, you know, well, that, that's not how my healing is going to come. I want someone, to, some, a great prophet to come in and speak and lay hands on me and I fall out and, uh, you know, and then I'm healed. No, that's not how it's going to happen. Or I want you to just do it miraculously. No, that's not how it's going to happen. I want you to read your word and to pray. And if you're looking for deliverance, you're looking for healing, the word is read and pray. And praise. Be thankful. Uh, sometimes God requires the simple, but, uh, but even the simple requires faith. <laughs> the men still had leprosy, and they now had to confront this leprosy head on. Uh, Leviticus 14, like I said, talks about this process that can be intense and time-consuming when a person has leprosy. Um, and they needed to go before um, the priest. And that was another thing. A priest had to uh, clear you from your leprosy. So it made sense that Jesus would say, go show yourself to the priest, because the priest was the only person who could say you were clean, clean or not, or you were healed from your leprosy. Uh, you know, again, if you want to go to sleep one night and you're having a hard time, <laughs> read Leviticus 14. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. I, I think it's quite interesting, but that's just me. Um, Leviticus 14 talks about, so if a person uh, is healed or think they're clinging from leprosy, then what they should do. And they had to go before the priest, and the priest had to get two doves, and they had to kill one under some running water and sprinkle the blood, and had to let one go in the field. It was just so like, it was like, what in the world, Jesus? I thank God for uh, Jesus and what he did on the cross so that we're not bound by uh, killing some doves. Uh, <laughs> uh, but maybe these lepers, when they, when the word came to go show yourselves to the priest, maybe they did have some hesitation because maybe they were saying, you know, this will require me in my current state to face people that I might didn't want to face, uh, or to deal with being ostracized or to look at be, being looked at differently. Um, some of them could have chosen to say no, just like Naaman who got upset and enraged and, and walked away and wasn't going to do that until someone spoke. Uh, his, his servant said differently. Um, but some of them could have said, man, I'm not going to go to the priest. We still got leprosy. Why am I going to do that? 
And some of you may be saying, man, I'm not going to read my word. I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to love my neighbor. I'm not going to seek the Lord all my heart, mind, and soul. That's too simple. Why am I going to do that? Right? That's what, we, that's what we do sometimes. I'm still looking for a big move, you know. I have a coworker at work. Um, he's he's not a Christian, uh, and, but he's trying to quit smoking, and so he was using the, the vaping thing to uh, wean himself off of cigarettes. And it was working for a while, and he would bring his little vape machine and plug it in and use that. Uh, and then I saw him smoking again, which... I know we're not supposed to smoke at work, so <laughs> that's number one. <laughs> we're smoke-free environment. You're not supposed to have any cigarettes on the premises whatsoever. So even the fact that he's smoking in, in any building outside the building, once you drive on the property, you're not supposed to smoke. So people actually drive off the property when they have to smoke. You cannot smoke on the property whatsoever because you could blow the place up because there are chemicals and what. Anyway, not supposed to be smoking. But <laughs> I'm going to work with where we are. It's where we are. So he was smoking a cigarette. I said, hey, man, I thought you had stopped smoking. And he said, Oh, man, you know, I'm having a hard time. Uh, you know, I was doing the vape thing, and it was a struggle. And this is him. He's not a Christian at all. He said, but, you know, I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep keep trying at it. I'm going to try this. And he kind of rattled off some things. He's going to keep trying. I said, well, that's encouraging to know that you're, you're in, you endeavor not to smoke, and you're just taking this upon yourself. And I, said, I asked him, I said, you know, why? Well, what caused you to want to do this? He said, well, one, it costs too much money to smoke nowadays. I was like, I, yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> uh, but he was like, it's just not healthy for me. And I encouraged him. I said, hey, you know, well, keep it up, man. I'll be praying for you. Uh, he said, yeah, I need it because it's, it's been difficult. Um, and then he told me his wife smokes, which doesn't help at all either. So, so anyway, I say that to say it was his encouragement in the small things, the small steps that he were going to do. He wasn't a Christian at all, but he had made up in his mind that he was going to stop smoking. And he was having some trouble with that. But he was not discouraged in those troubles and in those setbacks. And he said, well, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to keep trying. If this doesn't work, I'm going to do this. And, you know, what? I mean, he was, he was, in, he was, he encouraged me and his effort to quit smoking. Um, and doing the small things to do that. And how much more as children of God who has the anointing in us <laughs> that breaks the fetters, <laughs> that breaks the yokes, how much more if we're dealing with Issues, problems, circumstances in our life, we have access to this uh, anointing that we do not use to overcome. Just give it to him. The uh, pastor back in Raleigh used to say, uh, having the Holy Spirit is like having, using a shovel and a backhoe. You can do the same thing with the shovel as you do with the backhoe, but the backhoe is so uh, so much more efficient and gets you so much further. Why you why would you take the effort in using the shovel when the Holy Spirit says, I have the backhoe to, to, to make that happen for you? So he wants that for us. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So Hebrews 11, 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. These ten lepers, it doesn't say where they were spiritually. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they had, a, they, know, they knew Jesus, they knew of him, I'm sure they heard of him because he had been in that area, um, but had to have some faith. They ran up to him and yelled at him, Master, have mercy on us, and he told them what to do, and they, it doesn't say there was any time spans between when he told them and when they started going towards the priest. It doesn't say how long they had to walk to get to the priest, but they believed, they had faith. 
even though they did not see it right away, they walked towards the priest. And as they went, they didn't hesitate. They didn't, um, it doesn't say they hesitated. Maybe some did. Maybe some stopped and kept checking, you know, let me make sure we keep going. Or maybe it was just, you know, maybe some of them were missing some limbs and some limbs grew back, you know, as they were hobbing along their way. But needless to say, they went and they were cleansed. Hebrews 11 and 8 says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive an inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going. (laughs) So the lepers knew where they were going. They were going towards the priest. But sometimes even in your life, you may not know where you're going. And it may require faith to do that. We can look at our brother Abraham to say, hey, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going to go. He knew that he had an inheritance. He knew he was going to follow God's voice. But he did not know where that would lead him. And you may be wondering, where am I going? Where is this leading me? Let's be encouraged and have faith that in the process of going, that God will show up miraculously and reveal to you what you need to make it on this journey to receive your healing, to receive the fulfillment of whatever he needs to fulfill in your life. Because just as these lepers, as they saw, they were healed. As they continued to move on their way, they were cleansed. And when the one saw that he was healed, he saw the fulfillment of what he had been praying for for years. It doesn't say how long they had leprosy, but you can imagine that if you were dealing with this for years, not a couple of weeks, years, you're dealing with this sickness, this disease that is eating away at your flesh for years. And you've been praying and you've been toiling and you've been ostracized and you've been talked about. And now you see the fulfillment of that in your body. That leper, the one, with a loud voice, glorified God, fell down to his face and on his feet, at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. You know, this reminded me, and I'm not going to go there, but Luke um, 7, 36, 43, uh, the woman with the alabaster box. And she was weeping. She poured it on his feet. How the disciples was like, it didn't take all that. You know, you could have used that to do something else. You could have fed the poor. Um, And Jesus said, (laughs) uh, he gave a a parable. I gave an example, you know, where if you had, you know, you had one person, I'll I'll get to it. I I don't want to misquote what he said. he said, Jesus answered and said, Simon, I have to say something to you. So he said to the teacher, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. This is uh, Luke 7, 41, 40. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and one the other 50. And he said, and when he and when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will I love? Which would, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said to him, I suppose the one who forgave more. Now, there were ten of these lepers. And 
you know, I don't know. It doesn't give a whole lot of details about their backstory and where they were. Uh, but only one came back. And that percentage-wise is 10%. <laughs> That's why we're going to be in the 10 percenters. And why would that be the case? Could it be that that leper had to deal with more? And so he felt the burden of that leprosy more than the other nine. And because of that, when he got the fulfillment of that healing, it meant more to him than the other nine. I don't know. We can speculate as to why. Um, it also gives that he was a Samaritan. And that added another depth to it because the Samaritans were even, so he, was, he was doubly burdened in the fact that he had leprosy and he was a Samaritan. So the Israelites really didn't like this individual. You, you got leprosy and you're a Samaritan? Oh, you're a horrible person. Um, <laughs> were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Is Jesus looking for you to come and give him thanks for something that he did for you? Are you in the 10% or are you in the 90%? Do we sometimes forget to give God thanks for all he has done for us? Uh, again, there are reasons for not returning, um, you know, in their excitement. Maybe they forgot. Uh, they were busy telling their family and friends. Could be on the positive side. But maybe their heart was hardened. And this is interesting. I had, a, I heard, you know, the Lord kind of spoke to me. Of this, and maybe their heart was hardened. So why would their heart be hardened um, after um getting healed. But if you work from a premise that I'm good and I deserve it, and it took, why did it take so long for me to get this? Then it could harden your heart. Even your healing to harden your heart because of your own self-righteousness. I deserve this. I'm good enough. And why is this taking so long? And when I get it, I'm not thankful because I deserved it. No matter the reason, it falls short. That we should go forth and praise and give him thanks. So from this leper, or former leper, (laughs) Jesus says, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So he wasn't just healed, he was saved. Some versions say that you were made whole. Uh, He was saved, healed, preserved, rescued. Uh, He was delivered uh, properly, delivered out of danger into safety, used primarily, principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin. So whereas the others had just got their healing, he got salvation before there was salvation. (laughs) was forgiven of his sins. How much more that God required us to be a part of that 10%. Um, And whether you've been praying for something for two weeks or 10 years or 20 years, um, he is deserving of that alabaster box, that praise or whatever you've given him to thank him for that. He's deserving of that even before you get that anyway. It's not even dependent upon uh, that, but he's deserving of that. We're going to close with a song. <laughs> I open with a song. I'm going to close with one. 
It says, I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace can do for you. Safe by his power divine, safe to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved, saved, saved. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your salvation. And for nothing else, you dying on a cross is deserving of our praise, of our calamitous praise, and our dedicated worship to you for all that you're doing in our lives and yet to do. We want to be among the 10%. We don't, we don't deserve anything that you give us. Uh, but we are so gracious because of your mercy, your unmerited favor. We can't work hard enough for all that you do, the life you give us, the access to uh, the provision that you make for us, our jobs or wherever we are, the income that we get, the retirement or whatever that you provide for us to eat and to have shelter and to have clothes and to be able to come here and to worship you freely. Uh, we're so you're so deserving of our praise so we just thank you even if the miracle or the desire for whatever we need hasn't manifested even if the healing hasn't manifested yet you're still deserving of of our praise and as we do the simple things as we do the simple things we will see that miracle come forth in our lives That is the word of the Lord. We're going to pray. We're going to worship. We're going to read our word. We're going to see miracles performed. And someone would say, how is that possible? That is just so simple. You know, come on, bring a prophet in or whatever. No, we're going to pray. We're going to worship and praise you. We're going to read our word. We're going to see miracles in this place. We thank you and we bless you, Lord. We honor you for all that you're doing and all that you get to do. Jesus name. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email cornerstonecom at comcast.net or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.